Hey friends, welcome back to the journal feed. My name is Nick Zelt, and this is the only place to get spoon-fed the latest and greatest of emergency medicine. So let's see what we're covering from this week. So your patient has a PE, what makes you want to admit them? Then do you work better when you know everyone else? Probably. After that, more than opening the book on a torted testy. Then why not have a little coaching to help you with pediatric intubations? And then finally, we like to use a lot of terms in our research and in medicine. It's best to try to standardize them for everybody. If you are hearing this right now, then you are not currently a Journal Feed subscriber. And so you will not be receiving the full Journal Feed podcast, only getting a portion of the past week's articles. Don't worry, they're all great articles. But if you would like to get full access to both the podcast and the blog, then you'll have to become a member. All the details for that are at journalfeed.org. And remember, we never want money to be a barrier to better patient care. So if you're having any trouble affording a subscription, get in touch. We'll help you out. This is the audio version of the past week summary switch. This week, we're brought to you by Chris Thome, Rebecca White, Aaron Lacey, and Clay Smith. Okay, let's skip to the second article. Titled Nurse-to-Nurse Familiarity and Mortality in the Critically Ill, a multi-center observational study out of the American Journal of Respirology and Critical Care Medicine. Residents are learners, sure, but you know what makes it extra hard for a resident to really excel sometimes? They change hospitals and locations all the time, which makes it really hard for even the most social of them to know everyone and have many friends in the department. Now, knowing your team improves communication and performance in simulations. We know this already. The question now is how does this translate to patient outcomes? This study was on nurses, who are normally a really tight group as far as I've seen, and that facilitates their work. This was a multi-center retrospective study of eight adult academic ICUs in France. Familiarity between nurses was assessed by measuring how many prior shifts the individual nurses had worked together. They figured that nurses knew each other really well if they had worked at least 50 shifts together which if you do the math is over 400 hours. So yeah, they probably got to know each other. The authors wanted to know if low familiarity, that is just one or two prior shifts together, might impact mortality. This was a pretty big study. 43,000 ICU patients were included. The average length of stay was six days plus or minus 12 and a mortality rate of 15% overall. Patients who decided to forego life-sustaining treatment were excluded from the analysis. This ended up totaling about 3,100 deaths to analyze. And guess what? You'd think that we wouldn't be able to pick up a difference for this kind of thing, but they actually did. There was a lower risk of mortality if there was high familiarity between the nurses. A risk ratio of 0.9 per 10 shift interval, which was statistically significant. 10% less mortality. It's no joke. So don't skip those work social guys. It's really important that you get to know your colleagues. In a spoonful, better nurse familiarity in the ICU was associated with decreased patient mortality, and this is an important effect. Then the third article, titled Torus Testicle Traction Technique and Two Case Reports, out of the Journal of Pediatric Emergency Care. Alright, so I'm actually not sure that torst is actually a word. I tried looking it up, and people seem to use it, but only in this specific context, and that is to say that it's doctors that use this word. And I don't really trust doctors to be the authority on grammar or spelling. Torst is not in the dictionary, but you know what is in the dictionary? Torted. A torted testicle. So I'm going to say torted, and if you don't like it, you can email me. Anyways, testicular torsion is a urological emergency. 
We know this. Preferably, these patients see urology right away. But we know that not everyone has immediate access to a urologist. The classic advice is that you can try to untwist the testicle yourself by kind of like opening a book. This has the drawback, of course, that you don't really know which way the testy has turned. And if we could figure that out, then I certainly personally would much be much more inclined to attempt at twisting the testicle back into its proper spot. This could potentially save some testicles out there. Though, you should probably still get surgery eventually to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Now, how might we get around this problem of not knowing which way the testicle has turned? Well, these authors describe a method of applying testicular traction, as well as two cases in which it was helpful. Here's what they proposed. You should get an ultrasound, of course, either way, which will allow you to document whether or not there's blood flow. Consider giving something for anesthesia before doing any manipulations on the testicle, by the way. This could be extremely painful in one that is torted. Then grasp the culprit testicle and pull it to the maximum length of the spermatic cord, just like you would when you're kind of pulling on a twisted rope. And if you pull on a twisted rope, then in theory, it should provoke the testicle to spin or unspin in the direction that you want and should untwist the testy. Now, of course, if this doesn't make it obvious which way you should turn the testy, then at this point, you can try the classic open book technique. If you get resistance, then stop and try twisting the other direction. If you think you've gotten somewhere, you can repeat the ultrasound just to confirm that now you've got better blood flow. Honestly, I think this makes a lot of sense, and it's not that much more work to do if you were already committing to trying to untwist the testy. Just give it a pull first and see if that shows you which way it ought to go. But of course, never do anything that would delay this person getting the surgery. In a spoonful, before trying to detort any twisted testicles, first try to just pull on it and see if that either fixes the problem or tells you which direction the testicle has turned so that you can untwist it if necessary. And that's all the articles from this week. Let's do a quick wrap-up of everything we learned. Then from the second article, if we've got any nurses out there listening to the podcast, then this is just the data you needed to make the argument that whoever is in charge should be scheduling you with your friends. Nurses have less mortality rates for their patients when they are familiar with their colleagues. From the third article, you can think of it kind of like reducing a testicle. Just like with a bone, you just apply traction. And this could fix your torted testicle, or it could give you the information that you need to manually untwist it yourself. All right, that's all we've got. Links to all the articles summarized can be found at journalfeed.org, where the newsletter is the best way to make the podcast into a bite-sized nugget of space repetition. Now, if you're feeling like you missed out a little bit, you'd like to hear more podcasts, you'd like to get access to the blog, well, come over and join us in the members feed. Our goal here is for you to read less, learn more, and save lives, one spoonful at a time. Thank you.